Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. It's 2.30 and I did say I'm going to take your calls and I know many of you are already sending in those uh, questions for Professor Beatrum Fielding, who's a virologist and a director of research and development at the University of the Western Cape. He joins us now on the line today with what we usually do with Professor Fielding is to talk all things COVID. Thank you so much for making the time again, Prof. Thank you so much and uh, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Pumela, and good afternoon to the listeners. So what number are you on the vaccine line? I'm not on the vaccine line. (laughs) (laughs) You're not on the vaccine line. No, no, I'm not. Um, If you you think back to our conversations Mm. we've had had in the past, I've I've always said that vaccines should really be prioritized Mm. for those who are at higher risk of developing severe COVID. Mm. So so I am, um, in my opinion, not on that uh, high risk of developing severe COVID, but I have encouraged my parents um, mm. to, to be on that line. So you know, we're Professor, sticking to that fact. You know, Professor Fielding, I've never asked you, did you ever get COVID? Pamela, that's a very interesting question. So I had... What? I had, I, the I whole say, time he spoke to you, he never said... I was, no, 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 hang on. So, so I've never tested positive. I was okay. tested. Yes. And I'm, and I'm still convinced that I, that I had COVID um, last year in March. Yes. But the test, the test came back negative. My word. So, <laughs> so I'm not sure. You know, we, we have a joke going around here in the office that we've all had it. We just didn't know when we had it and, <laughs> and got over that's, it. That, that's the sad part because, I mean, we do know that about, what, 92% of people will um, be very mild, asymptomatic, mm. um, and they would never be tested. So we're probably some of those. So then for those who, who know that they had it, right? Someone who has tested positive, got the symptoms and all of that. Would it be advisable for them to get the vaccine still? That is a very huge debate going on globally at the moment. Um, my opinion is that if you've been tested positive before and you've had the symptoms, then you should not be vaccinated at this point in time. Tell us why. I've, I've seen some studies that have now reported that uh, people have antibodies still eight months afterwards, about 80% of people. I have seen some studies that do say that if a person that has recovered gets a, um, a shot, the immune response is even better. So okay. there are more antibodies. Okay. So, so really, you know, it is really a question once again of weighing up all of the factors and then deciding. There's a lot of discussion going on around masks, Professor Fielding. You're going to have to help us through that because there are lots of schools of studies now that are saying, you know, um, the, the use of masks and we're doubling up. Some people are doubling up on masks, whether that's a good idea, not a good idea. And the effects of that carbon dioxide we're breathing in. Your take on that. Are you, are you still where you were the last time we spoke or are you starting to change your mind about the use of masks? Romelu, you know, I, I'm looking at the studies and um, the CDC only about a week and a half ago said um, they, they um, endorsed a paper almost that said, a scientific paper that said a double masking is even better. Mm-hmm. I'm still saying in South Africa, if we can just get the majority of people to wear masks, mm-hmm. then it would be good. I've seen some opinion pieces in newspapers abroad speaking about brain damage and the use of masks. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 and I think the most important thing for our listeners to remember, when you read a newspaper article, mm-hmm. look at whether it's an opinion piece from a scientist. Mm. If that scientist speaks about their own opinions or their own research only, be a bit careful. 
An opinion piece is about, yes, giving your opinion, but you also refer to other people's work and contradictory work. That would be a more well-rounded paper. Mm. So to your answer, I've not seen any conclusive scientific evidence yet to say that um, there are huge detrimental effects or detrimental effects to wearing of a mask. But there is very compelling evidence that we do minimize the spread of, of COVID if we do wear the mask. Any work being done for children vaccines, children-friendly vaccines? So there is, some of these vaccines apparently are being tested in children now. So mm-hmm. when we talk about children at the beginning, um, yeah. I think it was November last year, there was the one study said under 16 would be kids and the mm-hmm. other one said under 18. Mm-hmm. So that unfortunately studies are still being done now. Um, so I think it's still going to be a while before we know how safe it is and, and what the effect is. And please keep in mind that for all groups that will be vaccinated, we do not have long-term safety data yet. Those vaccines have only been around for about four months. So unfortunately, that data for long-term safety for everybody um, is not available yet. Let's talk about the dreaded mutation and the yes. mutation rate. Does 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 what we are seeing worry you um, specifically going forward with, with what we can be prepared for and what we may not be prepared for? So we've always known that these type of viruses, they do mutate and mm. they mutate quite frequently, not as badly as, as flu, but they do mutate. Mm. The mutations would happen throughout the genetic material. What researchers are um, concerned about at the moment are those small changes, those mutations, in the region that is important for the vaccine to work. So I've now seen conflicting studies against certain of these mutations. Vaccines are less effective, others there's no change. Unfortunately, because these vaccines have only been around for about four months, these answers will have to be, questions will have to be answered as we're rolling out the vaccine. If we took the normal eight to 10 years, we would have known what type of um, effect mutations would have on the vaccine. But, but you know, once again, it, it's that risk-based and the vaccines were rolled out because people were dying. Mm. So, so these are questions that will still be answered as we go along. Okay. Let's take some voice notes, Prof. Good afternoon to you, Pimelo and Alyssa. I just have a few questions for the professor. You know, where is the source of the new variant? Where does it stem from? Where is its origin? How is it that we have this new deadly variant? And what are the possibilities of of the variant mutating to uh, a stronger strain? And thirdly, is what would his estimate be about the number of people that have succumbed from COVID in our country, including the access or home deaths that we have? Thank you so much from Chapter 2. Prof? So, excuse me, very good questions. So these um, mutations that we see, they um, give rise to variants. So really small changes in the, in the genetic material Unfortunately, each time this virus gets into somebody and makes more virus, you will have mutations. So variants would come, um, come about very, very frequently. Some of these mutations will change the virus and how it behaves. Others will not. So we need to keep that in mind. This is a natural evolution of the virus, and we cannot stop it, really. Um, I have not seen conclusive data 
that these variants are more deadly. It mm-hmm. does appear as though they spread easier because they can get easier into the human cell, mm-hmm. but they, they do not appear to be more deadly. So the symptoms appear to be very, very similar to what we have for the original one. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, mutations are a normal part of this. The excess death is a very um, um, difficult one. There are estimations, but we also need to look at the bigger picture. I saw a an article only over the weekend that speaks about the South African blood services looking at 5,000 blood samples. Mm-hmm. And they're speculating that between 30 and 65% of those blood samples um, had antibodies uh, to this virus. They were never tested before. Does that mean that in our country we have up to 65% of people that were infected and not the, what is it, 1.4 million that we're talking about Mm -hmm. now, but that it's a third? I think the 65%, the estimation is too high Mm -hmm. because of how the study was done. I think, like we said, middle last year, in the end, we would probably see between about 20 to 30% of South Africans. So even if we adjust for the excess deaths, the percentage of deaths would still be low between inverted commas. Okay. Alex uh, Piri, sorry, you're calling from Alex. We're hearing you for the second time today. I love it. Thank you. Uh, I admire your show. Uh, Thank you very much. I just want to ask a quick question. I mean, you know, uh, people are obviously, you know, getting vaccinated at the present moment. uh, A lot of people um, that, uh, you know, are uh, at the forefront and stuff. I wanted to ask, you know, once once they have uh, been vaccinated, I mean, does it does it mean that you know they no longer have to um, to to follow the protocols? Uh, you know, to do they, do they have do they, do they still have the virus by themselves? Uh, now that you know they receive the vaccination, they don't have to you know wear the masks and uh, don't have to social distance and all those good things. Okay, Prof. So, Piri, um, we've only uh, I think it was on Sunday where I think it was Fauci came out and said there is some evidence now that people do not become infected. That is only one comment that I've seen. The manufacturers of these vaccines have said two things. They, we do not know yet whether you will be, whether the infection will be stopped or prevented, and we do not know whether we can still spread the virus. So even if you have the vaccine, you still need to uh, use those, wear the masks, um, social distancing, sanitizing of hands. We're still learning um, as to what the exact effect of the vaccine is. So please be careful, even if though you have been vaccinated. Very worrying is because the vaccine has only been around for a short time, we do not know how long um, antibodies would last. How long would the immune system last for vaccinated people? Would it be longer than for natural infections? We don't know, unfortunately. Can I ask when it's appropriate to actually take the vaccine? So with the flu... Generally, the rule is if you are already experiencing the flu, you obviously can't go vaccinate. Yes. So, so Pamela, um, I've actually seen some studies now that said if you have had COVID before, wait about 90 days okay. before you go for the vaccine. Even then, there have been people who have, have taken the vaccine 90 days later and they claim that they've had symptoms very similar to the to the actual infection, but that is just the body's response to the vaccine, very likely. Okay, um, let's go to some voice notes. Hi, SAFM. Just a question for the doctor: If the coronavirus originated in a wet market in China, 
why is it that that the world hasn't gone into a massive um, insistence that these wet markets are eradicated and that type of um, trading with with wild animals is stopped? Why is it that 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 doesn't um, get mentioned? Um, if 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 that was the source of the virus and it's it's caused such havoc, it almost seems to be something that nobody ever discusses. Can Prof comment on that? Thanks. Prof, that was something that was investigated. I think they had some sort of a report not so long ago, about a week or so ago, and it was almost inconclusive, or am I wrong? It was inconclusive. Um, they were fairly, fairly sure that the virus was not um, originated from a lab in China, mm. but from the Wuhan lab. Mm. They have not identified this intermediate host. Mm. So we've always known that it comes from a bat, something in the middle, some animal in the middle that we don't know what it is. We believe it could be the pangolin, the scaly anteater, but we're not sure. And from there, jump to humans. Be very careful. This this virus, yes, probably comes from the wet market, but it is more to do with the trade of wildlife, I think. If you look at Africa as well, many diseases in Africa oh, come yeah. from the bushmeat trade and, 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 and wildlife trade as well. Mm. Influenza very often from there as well. Mm. So this is... And a very, a very important source, not just in Asia, but globally, in, in very often the developing countries. And, and how, do you, how do you stop that? How do you stop the, the, almost the trading in, in food? So that's a very difficult question, but a very important question to look at. The difficulty with this um, is that it's almost like saying you want to regulate what, what would be a preferred food type <laughs> for specific people. Exactly. That's, um, that's so, the difficulty. Yeah, in certain cultures, yeah. um, food is sold alive. Yeah. Um, because culturally, you know, that's how it's done. So, so you you correct. And I mean, and you may not eat baboons. Other people eat baboons. You may not eat cat. Other people eat cat. And the biggest problem, very often, is not. And I must be very careful how I phrase this. It's not just the the trade of this wildlife, but mm. it's also keeping all of the wildlife together. Mm-hmm. So very often you go to these markets and you will have hundreds and hundreds of different types of animals together. And that's where these things jump. These viruses jump between animals and between humans and where you have very frequent, very ugly mutations in these viruses. Okay, so let's then go try and answer the source of the variant um, that that, uh, I think it was Chapter 2 who asked about. I think he was worried about the South African, what they're calling a South African variant, whether that is actually the actual source. Was it uh, discovered in South Africa or is the source contested? I guarantee you, you go to some other countries and you would find the exact same mutations. The difference is that in certain, we remember if you think back to, to our discussions last year, um, when you look at viruses or drugs in different populations, you would have different reactions. So I'm, I can almost guarantee you, you go to North America and you, you determine the genetics, uh, material uh, composition in people that are infected. You would find these type of variants as well, but they would not be the predominant variants. So the predominant variants that we have in a location has been selected because of that population. So it gives the virus an advantage in that population group. And that's the only difference, really. Okay, let's go to some more voice notes. Good afternoon, Pamelo. Kolando, Amberstil. I would like to know from the Professor Pamelo, how many waves of COVID-19 in total are they expecting this year? Thank you.
Good afternoon, Pamelo, Professor, and your team. I had a question to Professor. What advice can you give us besides being injected this vaccine, uh, Johnson & Johnson? What else can you encourage us that will make our immune system be stronger? It's Uncle JJ, truck driver in Botswana. Prof, let's start with Uncle JJ. <laughs> so, the vaccine prepares your immune system, so he's correct. So, it is really, the question that he had was, what can I do to make my immune system stronger? And we have many African remedies um, that will boost the immune system. Use that. Use your vitamins. Use your vitamin Bs, your vitamin As, your garlics. You know, so, so as a people, as a South African people, we know of many things that can boost the immune system. That does not mean that you're 100% protected from the virus. In fact, if we look at the vaccine, you are not 100 protected. Not everybody that gets the vaccine will be protected from infection. So it is really, what, are, what can we do to minimize our risk? Build your immune system, and that is the best advice I think that I can give you. The first question was the about waves. the waves. Can you give in total how many waves will we have in South Africa? So I can tell you with 100% surety that we've had two. I cannot <laughs> tell you how many people expecting. And, and you know what is the very peculiar thing about this wave? It is nothing but a mathematical calculation to say, hang on, we're now having an increase in, uh, an increase in numbers and you have a specific very high number per day. And when that decreases, then the wave goes down. So if you really think about it, what leads to an increase in numbers? That's when we do not minimize the spread of the virus. We have a big party. Uh, nobody wears a mask. We go to a funeral and after tears, um, after tears, but nobody wears a mask. Now you have numbers increasing. That could lead to the next wave. I'm very concerned about a third wave, mm-hmm. maybe a fourth. I'm thinking if the third wave does happen, it could be over the Easter vacation mm-hmm. because once again, schools would be closed, universities would be closed, and people would be moving between provinces. provinces. Mm-hmm. If we are not careful, we could very likely see a third wave in about March, April. And then the fourth and the fifth and the sixth? Oh, I, I hope not. <laughs> if you look at certain of the other um, outbreaks, for Melo's 19... 18 um, influenza, I think we had four, mm. and then the second one was really the biggest. So I hope, I hope we're not there, and I hope that our listeners continue being safe and minimize the spread of this virus. Always lovely talking to you, Professor Fielding, uh, Beatrum Fielding, who is a virologist, a director of research and development at the University of the Western Cape.